Welcome to the Audit Podcast, the number one podcast for the audit profession. Be sure to check the show notes for all of our social media channels and to sign up for the Audit Podcast newsletter. Now, here's your host, Trent Russell. This podcast is sponsored by Green Skies Analytics, where they do everything tech-related, but only for internal audit. Although compliance and risk management, y'all are cool too, so feel free to check it out also. To find out more, please visit greenskiesanalytics.com, but it's more likely that you're just going to Google it. So to find out more, please Google Green Skies Analytics. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Audit Podcast. Today, we have Andre Reed on the show. He is the Chief Audit Executive and Senior Vice President of Compliance at Jackson Health System. Andre was also recently interviewed and featured in American Healthcare Leader on Effective Change in Leadership and Adding Value. This isn't American Healthcare Audit Leader, it's American Healthcare Leader, which I think speaks volumes to the value that Andre is actually adding. I don't think you get interviewed and featured um, in that publication unless you're actually bringing it to the table. If you want to check that article out, it is linked in the show notes. And some of the areas we hit on with Andre is what's discussed in a one-on-one board briefing. Andre had recently had one, and so it was very top of mind. We go into as much detail as we possibly could without getting in any kind of trouble. Uh, we talk about why Andre has the word VALUE written in all caps on the whiteboard in his office. I loved his answer. Uh, and if you look at Andre's LinkedIn, just scroll through it, you'll see a lot of team building activities they do. And so we ask, how are you doing that in a remote slash hybrid environment? And what types of events seem to work best in, in building teams? And then lastly, we ask Andre how he's helping his organization from a cyber perspective. Uh, it's still top of the list for many boards and organizations. So definitely want to continue to understand the audit perspective relative to cyber. Here we go. So I said when we did the planning call, you mentioned having a 101, but um, actually, so Andre, you just came out of a one-on-one board briefing. So for those aspiring CAEs that maybe don't know how to handle that situation or don't know what to go into one of those with, how to prepare, nature of the topics, et cetera, to the extent that you can, because I'm sure there's probably some sensitive information that was discussed during that. Um, what can you share with us about that? Give, give us kind of a, a peek behind the curtain, if you could. Um, I would say when you're communicating, communicating at the board level, especially on one-on-one conversation, you know, a lot of the significant work is actually done behind the scenes before you get to the actual formal meeting. Um, and I would say a lot of it goes into more of a 5,000 foot level, but more so of significant things that basically affects the organization, mission objectives and goals in regards to how do you as a CAE play a role in basically, you know, tackling some of those challenges the organization focuses on. And I, I know um, a lot of perception of an internal audit has always been from a punitive perspective, but one of my biggest things and goals was to actually change that narrative to show more from a value add perspective. How do we add value from an objective standpoint? Um, and it's also independence, but I think the most important thing is about an objective perspective because you're coming in, look at things from a different angle compared to somebody that's looking at it on a daily basis to try to identify, you know, I want to say opportunity, whether it's non-compliant or it could be something that we can enhance to make us even more compliant or even from a revenue or cost um, 
standpoint and which is some of the biggest things that we've shared with the board members and also how do we be a difference maker in the organization um because you know those check the box cookie cutter type of approach in regards to audit a thing of the past it's all about being creative um use analytics i mean you know analytics has been like a forefront of conversations i want to say the last probably five seven years but i've been doing analytics since i started my career in audit almost close to 18 or 20 years ago from different applications. But um, one of the biggest things is like, you know, how do you basically look at a large data set, as, as, especially as organization move to more electronic systems and you use data to basically make decisions and also tell a story, but in a way that you could summarize it to a very effective level where you could put a one hour story in a five minute conversation with a board member. And one of the things I tell a lot of folks, you got to realize individuals on the board are very smart individuals. So, you know, I always say keep it uh, concise and clear, but make sure you hit your key points. And also over time, once you start to get all the personalities of each board members and the type of questions they like to ask, you like to send them things in advance to preempt, like the question they may potentially ask that you answer it in advance. So that means you're in lockstep you have the pulse of the organization, you have the pulse of individuals you're meeting with, and you're kind of circling in the wagon a little bit. So it's a lot of more educational and then also full transparency. Nobody likes surprises. So uh, my, my biggest thing is like, whatever is communicated with executive leadership is also communicated to the board. So when we do get to a formal discussion, a formal meeting, everybody is on the same playing field with, with the level of information that is known because in order for you to make appropriate decisions, you know, information is key. So uh, that's one of my big standpoint in regards to full transparency and also diplomacy as well. Um, times is, may have bad delivered, but it's all about, you know, how you deliver that information. It's not what you say, but how you say it. So that is very important to avoid contentious situations that may not necessarily be, you know, necessary advantageous to anyone in the organization, but in regards to lead with more so, so from a solution standpoint, not necessarily focused on the problem itself. Yeah, I like uh, one of my biggest takeaways was anticipating the needs or the questions of, I'll just say broadly, the audience that you're talking to, specifically the that you mentioned, and then being able to address those on the front end. Um, and, the, and then the other one was when you talked about taking an hour's worth of presentation or conversation or points that need to be made, condensing it down to effectively a, a couple of slides and that is so huge and something that people will probably start to see it's you hear it a lot now in just like the data community so if you were just like if you stepped out of the internal audit community and dropped yourself into the data community storytelling telling stories with data is a huge thing uh right now and probably for the past maybe a year or two but to be able to do that and it is and we're talking about visualization effectively yeah most <laughs> and as much as it is an art, it's a science. I mean, it's not just make the picture look pretty. I mean, it's how do you draw someone's attention to this part of the graphic and then have them naturally go to this part of the graphic where you explain your points and how you get what you want. So, um, yeah, that is uh, a really good point and something I think we should start to think about more and more in our audit reports and what we present in general to the board is like tell the story of the results of the audit with a visualization. So yeah, I agree with everything you said. <laughs> <laughs>
That'd be me. All right. You also, uh, when we did the, when we were like kind of talking off air, you mentioned and you, you said it, or at least I under, I had it in my notes underlined and folded, uh, that you have to be a difference maker and show value. So how are you a difference maker and how can we become difference makers or develop that mindset of, all right, like make a difference and not get caught up in the, all right, let me check this attribute, you know, within the testing, you know, like get down so far in the details. How do you do that? Yeah. Um, one of my biggest things that I go by in philosophy is, uh, you know, there's opportunity turmoil and there's always opportunity. And when you, when you embrace or identify an issue, there's an opportunity to come up with a solution. And so, um, one of my biggest, I want, I don't want to, you know, innovation and ideas solely comes from just me, but it's more so my peers and individuals I talk to in different organization and also my team as well. Whenever we tackle new things, um, one of the biggest thing I would say, like our controls analyses, I would say one of the things I'm most proud of in the organization, it took us, but roughly in an entire year looking at data source and data points from multiple systems to do something that no other audit or internal audit in healthcare or, or departments in healthcare is actually doing when it comes to controlled substance reconciliation and the override areas, um, such as emerging areas where they actually remove drugs. And just question because, uh, for those that aren't in health, controlled substances, speak on that a little bit, like give a little bit more uh, background on the overall, like objective of that analytic. It, 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 it could, it, it, their federal guidelines are there's certain controls that should be in place in regards to controlled substance, meaning the removal, the delivery to the organization, removal of administration to the patient, and also weight control making sure that every single drop of controlled substance. So it's from a level two to level five, uh, controlled substance drug could be fentanyl. The good, like it's the good drugs, the ones that, uh, you get when you are at a hospital or controlled substances. So it's controlled. not all in all. It's De uh, definitely not over the counter stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah. Right. What, uh, that, with that, all right, continue. <laughs> so, uh, I, I would say. It's very important from an organization perspective that, you know, you have controls in place to monitor and also address, correct, and also educate employees when we identify opportunities. And I want to say uh, one of the biggest analysis we came up with um, that's currently used by our pharmacy department to share with Joint Commission that we actively have a process in place. So it's not necessarily from an assurance standpoint. We did this project from an advisory perspective just to help our management from a real-time perspective and involve the whole disciplinary team. And we talked about collaboration, being a difference maker. Um, as I mentioned before, audit typically has been viewed historically as a punitive function, but you know, there's other sides to it. Well, individuals within the, within a team that has multiple skill set. So we basically partnered with HR, um, which is human resources, pharmacy, nursing, and a physician. And we also a teaching institution as well. So we, we partnered with the residency program, because we do have a lot of residents in the organization to access these uh, controls um, that administer the patients. But we basically partner with them to come up with process in place and cadences in regards to an algorithm. When we identify an opportunity, how it's addressed consistently throughout the organization. And I must say, um, we, we currently right now sit at a 98% um, accuracy rate in terms of compliance, which is was ninety five percent. But you could you could tell the history when we first started this. But I want to say five years ago, we were probably at about 
70%, but because of our initiative and having those tools, uh, being a difference maker, and you talk about visual, visualization um, in regards to looking at things to make decisions, I, I would say, you know, having those things in place, you know, impact the organization in a significant way and make it a difference in regards to how things are viewed. Because one of the biggest things that I do believe in, they say what is what's measured is what's actually measured gets done at the end of the day. So that that's very important. I should say and that that basically is a very big part of the organization. We issue weekly reports um, to management, um, mul multiple individuals involved in reviewing those results before they actually go out. And then on a basis, we provide an update to the board and the executive leadership. So they're pretty proud of that. Another recent one I want to talk about you know, during the pandemic, especially in the healthcare organizations, um, we were seeing a lot of nurses shortages. So basically what our organization did, they basically provided something that's called an extra shift bonus for those folks that want to work extra shifts and overtime and they got paid incentives. Um, and the way our organization structured, you know, everything is, has one ERP system for their entire health system. We have multiple hospitals. But um, they were basically providing these extra shift bonus payments based on certain facility bases, uh, also certain units. But we also have a chrono system that is basically, you know, approved, updated by individuals. And so you know, when you have individuals involved in the process, there's an inherent risk for errors to be made. So management uh, met with us, I want to say, several months ago in the summer of last year, actually, of 2022 and requested us to come in and perform an analysis preemptive, like I say, get ahead of things before distribution. And I want to say in the last 13 uh, payroll periods, we have identified close to $400,000 in cost savings prior to the distribution of payroll. So um, us, you know, using our skills to unit analytics, you know, looking at data from multiple sources, our Kronos clock system, our ERP system, and then also looking at uh, spreadsheets that uh, human resources provide to us on a weekly basis as to the individuals and job roles that are basically uh, qualified for those extra shift bonuses. So we've seen a significant cost savings from a payroll distribution standpoint by us injecting ourselves in most particular area as quote unquote being a difference maker added value. And those, especially with uh, clocking in and clocking out data, like it seems like it would be easy enough to analyze that. Like you clocked in, you take the difference between when you clock in and you clock out, you see what it was, and you can sum up the hours. That's what I thought. <laughs> and I had to do a similar project, uh, and it involved nurses also. And uh, actually, it was with controlled substances and see if they had basically if they had taken one out after they had clocked out, which sometimes happens. You forget, and so you go do it, and you waste it, and you you know you're good to go, but I thought in my end, I was like, yeah, get this data, take the difference. We'll see, you know, if they will get the data from um, the drug cabinet and see if they did it after. Nope. Sometimes the badge doesn't work. Sometimes you forget to clock out. Sometimes you clock in, clock out, clock in, clock back out. And that was just like, I mean, it was such a nightmare. And so I, I guess my overall point, sometimes it seems like, yep, let's just get this data and this data. And this seems super clear and it'll be super easy. And you go into it and you realize the data is just an absolute mess. And you have to understand the business side more so than the data to be able to get there and go, well, why is it like this? Well, this is how the business works. And you go, okay, well, we need to account for that in the data. Um, so anyway, that was my, uh, that was my spiel. I noticed, uh, so we've talked a few times, Andre, and every single time you've been in that same room, You've had that same whiteboard in the background 
and you've always had in all caps for those that are watching the video on uh, our YouTube, uh, the highlight reel, if you're watching on LinkedIn, whatever, you'll see in caps value. And that's there every single time. Why do you have that? And I can't read the rest of it. Uh, so you can go into more detail, but why, why is that all every time we talk, why is that always back there? Whenever my team comes into my office and they know me very, very well, and I actually written this on a whiteboard, I was say eight years ago. And now you erase it. I keep it very simple. Um, and, and at the top of it, I have quality objectives. Because at the end of the day, it's always about quality. A lot of times in our position, you cannot quantify in regards to the value you bring sometimes. So it's about a quality of initiative on a lot of different things. Um, I have four points on there. Very simple. Just do it right the first time. Uh, no shortcuts. And also consistently follow the process. And in, in all of it, in anything, it's always about a process. And a process will last long individuals in a position. So it's a plug and play. As long as you have a process that's actually woven into a system, everything should run smooth. Oh, uh, and the last but not least, and I always talk about identify feasible solutions for problems. Whenever my team actually come to me and instead of always bringing me a problem, you know, at least bring me potential solutions. And, and the same approach that I, I would have in terms of like my expectations, that the executive senior leadership team and also the board members will have me, I put that same expectation on my team because I always will make sure as part of my role in leadership is development. And I have to get them to thinking in a certain type of manner in regards to always be solution oriented, always be, you know, problem solving, not identifying the problem, but how can we fix this? Because in our role, a broad you know, view of the entire organization how things actually run and how different parts such as different areas. So that is always key. Like I, I mentioned before is changing the narrative of, you know, internal audit be really assurance related work, but in regards to how can we be an advisor or collaborator to the business based on our multi skill set in terms of bringing value is just in problems because a lot of times senior management comes to me and saying, Hey, we had this little situation. What do you think? And you echoed it earlier. You have to understand the process sometimes without actually jumping right into the data. So I think that's a unique skill set in regards to where we sit in the organization. You know, one of our biggest things, like if you feel the plan, you plan to fail. We do a lot of planning, understanding the process before we dive into the actual test of a particular area because there's nuances in certain areas. And that's very important and for us to basically, you know, tie different echoes in regards to how does one area affect you know something downstream how does it affect something upstream we have to know all that kind of in order to basically bring value to an organization from that standpoint i'm here this if someone walks in that works with you and asks you a question do you just keep your head down and go like hey bullet point number three on the board oh no 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 they, yeah. they, we we've already passed that long time ago they know my yeah. person well and and the thing is like i i, I kind of push that down to my yeah. middle management team like my directors and managers, but I always tell them, you know, what, what's important to me in regards to development is always follow the chain of command. I have an open door policy, but I would like staff senior to basically meet with their direct report, um, direct supervisors. And then if nobody doesn't really understand which direction to go, then we all be together. We brainstorm like for every project, uh, where there's something on the plan or new project that comes in, I always inject myself 
in an initial phase just to like, you know, give the idea. And the most important thing I always tell the team, you know, what is our, our objective? Because sometimes we get so deep in the work and we, we get lost in regards to what was our initial objective, the purpose of doing something. And that happens a lot when you start doing analytics as well. And I, and I tell my team that's called a paralysis analysis. So you get so far, then you our tentacles start growing, and you got to say, "Hold on, like you come out of the deep end for a little bit." <laughs> yeah, you mentioned uh, process and um, the objectives. So part of ours when we work with groups, uh, our teams, and implement our analytics process, like multiple times in our process, we have in there, "Do you understand the objective?" And that, like, we're working with someone who like. Dude, this is like the third time you've asked me this. And I was like, I know, because it's so easy, when, especially when you get down to the data level and you're like in that, looking at individual line items to go, to come all the way back up and go, wait, why am I doing this again? Because you, I mean, I've spent hours and then, you know, it's one of those where you're leaving the office or watching Netflix or something at night and you go, oh, that's stupid. I shouldn't even be doing that. <laughs> Nothing to do with the objective of what I'm doing, but it's so hard to do that. And so like, we make it a point you have got to understand the objective of the analysis uh, when you work with us. So that is awesome to hear you echo. Uh, the thing about the uh, kind of your value visual that you have back there, it has very much a a like coaches feel to it. You know, like you played sports, there's always like the, I think when I played basketball, anyway, ours was like excellence plus discipline equals championships or something you know like all coaches have that john wooden had his pyramid uh and i know you have a uh you're a former athlete as well and you're big on team building like if you i think even if you just like scroll through if you connect with andre on linkedin and just scroll through i think you'll see some of the team building they've done i'm curious and maybe it's a little different maybe you guys are in the office more i don't know uh, your situation if it's hybrid fully remote etc but relative to team building lessons have you learned what can you pass on to the listeners to where they can do that too especially the ones that have more of a remote um working situation and i think i've asked just like four questions here and one but um has there been like a an individual teaming activity that you've done like a, an event that you guys did as a team where you went okay that one i can see a difference we should do that more often or make sure we do that annually or something along those lines um Great segue. Um, team building is is very very important. Um, I don't know if you thought in my other communication or publications on my LinkedIn, but I always talk about one of the greatest resources that we have in this world is the people at the end of the interaction. Um, that that is very important. You know, when you work in an organization, you don't think about it often, but majority of your time during the week is spent with the people you work with more so than your family at times. So it is very important that you get to know each other, you know, you build a bond with that individual. And and, and I mean, it, it sounds unrealistic, but it says you, you got to like everybody you work with. You know, that's not necessarily realistic, but you you have to get along and respect people you actually work with in a day, especially if everybody's, you know, coming coming every day, showing up, trying to give their best at work. Um, I'm always big on, you know, you, you're only as strong as the weakest link in your chain and you got to identify, you know, everybody's strength on the team. Um, like I indicated, I came from a team environment. I played point guard in high school, in sports, playing basketball. And then I was always a, a coach on the floor type of thing. And I always played team sport. I'm, I'm into cycling right now. 
which is out there. It's, it's a very competitive sport, very, very uh, ego driven. And it's like every man for himself, which is a little bit different. But I'll, I've always been on the, the same sentiment, you know, hard works, uh, our hard work builds character at the end of the day. But like team building is so important. And my leadership and management style is never a homogeneous in regards to how I approach individuals. I have to identify, you know, what moves that particular individual, what's important to them. Um, you know, how could I make an impact or a change in their life in terms of like not them encouraging them to do certain things and, you know, better them and also self-development. Um, and I would say like from the audit standpoint, prior to actually me being over audit and compliance, we've done a lot of events throughout the year. We do an end of the fiscal year team building event where we have done escape room events, um, done, uh, top golf events. We've dealt every, we celebrate everybody's birthday and we do that often. We go to lunch, we celebrate each other, everybody's success. They pass an exam, have breakfast with the team. And uh, as recent, um, this month makes one year since I've been a senior vice president over audit and compliance, um, during the Christmas holidays, we, uh, we, uh, secret Santa, um, and, and we did a lot of Tino doing the best so people could, you know, get comfortable. And I like the work environment where people could be themselves and be comfortable. Me at the end of the day, we all human at the end of the day. And we're, we're basically doing our thing. As long as we remain professional, uh, we, we do a lot of lunch events and, and a lot of us actually, you, you build friendship, like real genuine friendship from the folks you actually work with. So that that's very important in regards to, you know, having a work environment space, um, from a perspective where everybody feel comfortable, comfortable, especially, you know, voicing their opinion, speaking about very big on inclusive management. I never like to solely just make a decision without hearing everybody's perspective, even though like in some decisions, maybe, you know, bigger than me from an organization perspective, but it's also good to, you know, keep other individuals, you know, perspective and concerns in the back of your mind in regard to as you move forward to certain things, because that's important. And I actually recently we went to a change management training with the compliance team just talk about you know as we transition to change with the leadership structure you know like you know people perceive change and everybody initial you know perception is different but i think um they they talked about the journey is what everybody is concerned with the journey of the change so one thing is in that life that's inevitable is actually change i mean if you don't change you get left behind so i like that uh you talk about how much like you basically how important it is to like everyone on the team. And what I've found is there's always something that I have in common with somebody. You know, they, we might disagree 100% on political, and so I don't really talk politics or social issues with a lot of people, but uh, but like 100% disagree with that. But they're like, uh, yeah, I was reading Harry Potter last night. Sweet. Like we can build an entire relationship just off the fact that we both uh, have read Harry Potter books, you know, like that could be the basis of our liking each other. So there's almost always something. And as I was thinking about that, I was thinking, even if there's nothing that you have in common, the fact that you have nothing in common is what you've had in common. <laughs> yep. There's yep. Shifting a little bit. Uh, I know we've talked about cyber security in the past. It's still one of, if not the, you know, hottest topic, probably cyber and ESG, the top two topics amongst boards right now. Um, just broadly, what are you doing to support uh, cyber initiatives? How is audit helping? What should other auditors be doing? How are you working with the board? Um, how are you, are, and are you, or who is maybe, explaining those risks to the board who might not have 
I'll just call it technical background, cyber background, et cetera. But how are, how are you helping in general relative to cyber? As in, I mean, to answer your first question, for those who don't have the technical background, I mean, I, I know the 5,000 levels, specific questions, I mean, and answers to those questions, but um, is hiring the expertise or having expertise on your team to actually explain that. But um, my approach is um, collaboration with our uh, information system uh, officer and also our IT, our, our CISO as well, in regards to how we approach, you know, cybersecurity related activities. Obviously, they're more on the operational side. I'm more from the perspective that, you know, let's test our environment to see how vulnerable we are. I want to say about eight years ago, um, I basically took the initiative for us to independently perform, you know, external, internal, and vulnerability assessment on our IT environment um, from the audit and how we could, you know, give them an, uh, I want to say, objective, independent perspective in regards to how actually, you know, how effective things are in their environment from a security standpoint. And we collaborate in regards to how that information is actually communicated to senior management on the board. We did have identified opportunities, but I want to say over the last three years since the organization has matured, and that's very important, you got to identify the maturity of the IT security infrastructure in an organization before you jump to, like, say, a red team assessment. Not a internal audit thing, or how do you how do you go about doing that? Is that working with the IT folks to understand where they are? That, again, it's a collaboration effort, work with IT division, you know, find out where they are based on the results over time of these external and internal penetration reviews that we actually perform to say, hey, okay, now let's take it to another notch. How do, you know, our organization respond to, let's say, uh, a real life, you know, threat actor trying to get into an environment with on without knowing, you know, internal information within our environment to get in? Um, so we transitioned to that, I want to say three years ago, um, the first year we did identify an opportunity, but it's very important, uh, to note that it's, uh, we do it from an ethical hacker standpoint, meaning that it comes from somebody within the organization that kind of has that measuring stick to see how we're performing. And if there's an opportunity to improve in certain, certain areas that we're doing well, and then also communicate that to the board, um. It's, it's never, you know, a black eye on the organization, but it's, you have to be in the know. And the thing is, like we indicated, nobody likes it, right? So it's better you know what you need to do in terms of strengthening those environments. So that's very important. And we continue to actually perform those red team assessment approach in regards to, you know, coming in as an ethical threat actor and trying to break into the organization, trying to see, you know, can we, uh, well, take over administrative uh, domain accounts uh, make changes in the system, but we, we communicate those things immediately to our IT division if we do actually were able to compromise those different things. And then we also do phishing and uh, vision exercises as well. I think um, the phish email attacks is probably the most prevalent. Um, and then the human element, I would say in any organization is always, I don't want to say the weakest link, but you know, the highest inherent risk in regards to a hack getting into an organization as we've seen over time. And then, you know, Currently, right now, we're doing other things, looking at um, biomedical equipment and also Internet of Things assessment, which is somewhat a little bit different because of the WannaCry situation, I want to say six, seven years ago, that that took place. Because especially in the healthcare, you know, you, an actor could come in and take control of a medical device, which is totally different than getting into your your security environment and 
chill patience. I should say, you know, not that it doesn't happen, but we definitely don't want situations like that. So I, from my end, it's always about you know, being proactive. Uh, I like to use the word preemptive a lot, and then, which is very, uh, I want to say, um, uh, thinking ahead and not necessarily being reactive, but proactive. It's uh, we were working with a, a group and just understanding their audit plan uh, for the quarter slash year. And they were like, yeah, we're going to go all hit the security controls around or the cyber security controls around uh, medical devices. And I was like, what? And they're like, yeah, and they are super hackable. And that that blew my mind that, that you could anyone would even think to do that, you know? And so I thought that one was pretty interesting, to be honest. But I had a, a follow up question for you. You mentioned red team. Yeah, uh, I had two follow up questions for that. Um, for those that don't know, what does that mean? What is red team? And then two, you talked about, so you bring in, sounded like a, a group to do that. Where does that come from? Is that something supported by IA, internal audit? Um, IE, is that coming out of your budget or is that something that IT, we would expect to come out of theirs? Um, typically in some organization, it, it depends on, on the perspective. It could be both. It could be either the IT folks, it could be IE. In this organization, it comes from the internal audit department because we want to come with an approach where it's a total surprise. Actually, I'm the only one in the organization that knows when the red team assessment is actually taking place. I think that's kind of <laughs> all my communication is via mobile device in car in regard when they're starting during the day, when they're ending in the day and provide me any updates, you know, did they, were they able to compromise anything and you know what happened. And if it's something significant, then I'll incorporate the IT team saying, hey, we need to take a look at this. We need to address this immediately. But in regards to what is a, a red team assessment, a red team assessment is basically an ethical uh, exercise as that's basically mimicking a real life or simulating a real life threat after trying to get into an organization from the outside. And whether it's not taking control of administrative uh, domains, you know, compromising sensitive information, and also the, the biggest and most important thing, are they able to take sensitive and important information outside of the organization into an external environment? That, that's the most critical, critical part. I really want that power. Like, I just want to be able to send a text to somebody and say like, hey, Red Team, go. Yeah, like, Red Team, go, go, go. Just just to have that power. I think anybody that's ever, uh, maybe in their glory days or even still, if they played uh, drinking games and are familiar with like where there's like rules and, you know, like, you put your thumb on your nose, whoever's the last person to do that, we call it thumb master. The last person to do that has to take a sip or whatever. And just to have like that little bit of power of being the person that, you know, started the, you know, to put the thumb on the nose. I couldn't even imagine having the, not power, but the coolness factor of being like, all right, red team, go. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll start to wrap it up with that then. Uh, I will say, Andre, the floor is yours. Whatever you want to leave the audience with. Feel free to do so. Yeah. Uh, first and foremost, Trent, I want to basically thank you for giving me the opportunity uh, to get on the podcast and share some of my points of view. But I was, you know, one of my common themes and one of my, my favorite statements that I always leave everybody I said at the end of the day because it, it resonates with my personal development as well. Have to get comfortable being uncomfortable in order to grow. I can just remember my transition the very first time I had to present to the board when I was surprised, you know, making changes in the internal audit department. And I was the interim director. And, I, and my first question was like, do I have to at the audit committee meeting? I was just like, man. <laughs> and, 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 and at that point in time, the organization was going through a turnaround. 
So it was, it was very intense times. Um, but I, I would say, well, one of the biggest things, as long as you're prepared, it's just like going to take a test. You got to be prepared. And it's like, if you, if you feel the plan, you plan to fail. And then, you know, over time, get comfortable. And then as your knowledge grow in regards to, you know, the organization, the industry, and then also you learn different individuals in regards to what's important to them and the cadence of how you deliver that information after over a while it becomes second nature but um in order for you to develop you got to put yourself in an uncomfortable situation to force you to grow hey everyone thank you very much for listening to this episode of the audit podcast whatever platform you're listening on right now i'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere so please hit the subscribe button there if you're listening through itunes or spotify feel free to go give us that five star rating it only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five star review and it really helps to get future guests to come on the show so we'd really appreciate that lastly be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on instagram on linkedin and on tiktok Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from the Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.